Hey, Church Intention podcast listeners, thanks so much for tuning in to this bonus episode. Today, I'm excited to share an, a conversation that we actually had at the 2020 Gateway Conference in a breakout session where we gathered together some minds. We had a room full of pastors and leaders listening to the conversation about women in ministry leadership. And I think it's going to be a great podcast for you to listen to. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, again, as always, like, share, uh, post on social media. Thanks for being such a diligent. Thanks for being such a faithful follower and listener of the Church and Tension podcast. Love you guys so much. I pray this uh, episode blesses you. I want to introduce our panel before we get started. Uh, so immediately to my left is Dr. Rhonda Davis. She serves on the president's cabinet. Oh, you got a hand clap. Wow. Dr. Davis is on uh, the president's cabinet, serves with me at the university. Uh, I am John Chastine, by the way. Uh, I think she introduced me to someone did a golf clap there. I appreciate that. That's great. Uh, immediately to Dr. Davis's left is Mallory Bassam. Uh, Mallory, Yes. Mallory works in, in the Gateway Church Network. She's also served as executive pastor uh, at Gateway Church. She's been at Gateway Church for how many years? 12 years. So Mallory is an amazing leader. If you don't know this woman, you need to get to know her. Um, and then immediately to her left is, uh, I almost said Dr. Marcus Burkeen. Basically, Dr. Marcus Burkeen. Uh, Marcus is the executive director of the Gateway Network uh, at Gateway Church. So just uh, out of curiosity by show of hands, how many of you are a part of a Gateway Network church? Fantastic. Wow, that's great. That's great. Okay, so we want to jump right in uh, to, this, to this podcast today and, and this, this session. As we talk about this, the, the official title of this session is Discovering Leadership Harmony, Men and Women in Ministry. Uh, we like to say we're better together. And so uh, if you've ever listened to our podcast before, Dr. Davis and I uh, have been on, she's been on my podcast and I've also been on the Women in Ministry Leadership podcast. And I think the best way to start this off is really by, by me sharing some things I've learned. Um, learning out of our, how many cabinet members do we have? Five? Five president's cabinet members. Uh, two of them are women. And none of them are in here, so I can say this. The, the smartest ones on my cabinet are the women. <laughs> They're amazing. Uh, Ashley, Ashley Green is our CFO, and then Dr. Davis uh, serves as the Vice President for Student Development. And I, I just want to share a couple of things that I've learned um, leading, leading with women. And really, it's been by listening to her, and I want her to share some of this. But some of the things she's told me that I've never really realized is she said, as women... In any form of leadership, and really this would probably be in most industries, she said to me one time when we were meeting, she said, you know, for me, if I'm sitting at a table with all men, um, I have to think before I speak. I have to, I have to filter through before, I, before words come out of my mouth. I have to say to myself, am I, am I being too demonstrative? Uh, am I going to be look as a, look, looked at as a power-hungry woman? Or am I being too weak? Uh, am I dressed right? I, am I one of the guys? You know, the guys are talking about the football game last night, and I don't know how to engage in this conversation. And so I want her to talk about that for just a minute, but I also want you to talk about the thing that, that you've shown from the church side is just the reps. I think that's such an important point for us to hear today. Sure. Hey, everybody. It's so nice to have you today. I don't know if you can hear me. Can you hear me? 
Almost. I'm going to keep talking until you can hear me. There we go. All right. Thanks for being here today. And our assumption is that many of you are leading together. Um, you're here because you're looking for a path forward, men and women leading together. And that's true. There are some things that just, I think that we maybe think about more when we come to the leadership table. <laughs> um, Mallory and I were talking earlier. I took golf lessons when I first got into executive leadership because I realized like, oh, so we talk about things and decisions are made, but really decisions are made on the golf course. <laughs> and I think Mallory had, she downloaded an app or something when you first got started in ministry. Yeah, I have, I have the ESPN app on my telephone so that I know what teams played and who won and like what the highlights are. Yeah, so there are just some things like that that we do, which I definitely would love to hear what kind of apps you downloaded so that you could have better conversations with us, but... <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, it, it really, I told her, and I'm sorry I cut you off. That's okay. It was such a manly thing to do. I should have never done it. Really But funny. no, seriously, whenever, whenever she told me this, when she was telling me she has to process before she speaks, I'm thinking to myself, have I ever had to stop and think about anything before I say anything as a, as a male leader? Uh, mostly because I'm an extrovert. It just kind of comes out of me. But it really is a big thing, and that really spoke to me. Yeah. So there's just some things we have to think about when really the goal is that we lead together. Because I think men have unique strengths in the ways that God has designed them to come to leadership, and so do women. We have unique strengths that we bring to the leadership table. So that's what we're trying to do is figure out how do we maximize that. How do we look a little bit more kingdom, right? When we're working together and moving things forward. Yeah. So tell them about the, talk to them about the reps. Okay. So um, I don't know if I'm sure that all of your churches and ministries don't do this at all. But Never. I have found myself sometimes in situations where um, there are churches that are doing their best and they're wanting to put um, more women on the platform or women, more women behind the pulpit, or things like that. And so they're trying to figure out ways to do that. And I will often find myself as that woman that they have decided to risk it on <laughs> uh, uh, behind the pulpit of their church. And I realize when I come in that there's some extra pressure on that moment. There's a little bit of extra pressure because I just hadn't had enough reps behind the pulpit, or as many reps um, as maybe... Dr. Chastine did when he was, you know, a teenager and invited to do announcements or invited to talk with a mic more often. Yeah. But I'm kind of allowed to have a very public moment that may be a really great opportunity for women that follow me or may ruin the opportunity yeah. for women that follow me. So sometimes, you know, just I just needed more reps, a few more times, a few more practice. I think that was an important thing for me. I mean, I, I serve as the president of TKU, but I'm also the lead pastor of a church. Uh, as well. And so that was a big thing for me to just realize that many times the, some of the, the younger women or the, or any of the women on my staff that we're putting on stage to, even if it's just announcements or preaching, if they don't hit it right the first time, it's probably because maybe they haven't had enough reps or maybe I didn't pull them to the side and say, Hey, let me coach you on a couple of things because I want to see you get better and do better and better and better on the platform. And so Mallory, you are, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the first woman to be um, promoted to an executive position at Gateway and on a leadership team at Gateway. So tell me how some of your experiences in that. I mean, maybe there's some similar experiences. Like, share what that's been like for you. 
Well, Gateway has been really great in inviting me to do that, but even being invited to be the first woman, I too was at the table with all the men. And, you know, you're very conscious about what you're going to say because I don't want to ruin it for everybody. I'm totally aware I was the first one. Fortunately, um, the group and the team that I was with invited my feedback. And actually, it's Pastor Tom Lane Mm -hmm. who took me aside and said, um, you were invited here for a reason and we need your voice. And so it it really gave me permission um, to to really participate because there's there's a saying that you may know that it says um, diversity is being invited to the party inclusion is being asked to dance Mm. and so I was invited to the party but I feel like what Pastor Tom said was you can dance that's really good you can dance that's really good so so Marcus uh, share your heart I I love Marcus is a very um, educated deep thinker but but just has such a pure heart for ministry as well and so I'm curious to hear your heart on or, or your thoughts on why do you think there are more male leaders than female leaders uh, well, I think I think the the biggest part of that is because uh, for millennia we've had such a male dominated society. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, the way cultures begin and the way cultures are established, most leadership nationally has been male, and so churches were were originally birthed out of the state, and so the thought of a of a female leading a church was just unthinkable and unheard of because of the culture in which that church was planted. And so I, I think it's an, it's an unhealthy holdover from thousands of years of, of male-dominated culture. Mm-hmm. And so it, it takes courage not just for, for women to step into a place of leadership, but for men to promote them and say, you're, you're the best there is. Wow. Go run with that. Wow. And so... Uh, you know, we, the, the church talks a lot about servant leadership, and then and then we're we're hesitant to promote women into leadership. When I think if we really believed leadership was servant oriented, nobody would argue at all with a woman doing that. Right, right. But I think the problem is we really think that leadership is authority. Wow. And that's why we don't that's want to put really women there. Good. That's so good. And so if we really, if we really did believe serve, that, that leadership was servant-hearted, nobody would mind promoting a woman to that. So that's, that's my hunch. That's really good. I want to just hear you talk some more. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's get super practical. Um, when it comes to, to leading alongside, when men and women lead alongside together... Let's get real practical, real honest. It, it causes challenges. It really does. Like we've wrestled through this. So we'll go on retreats as a president's cabinet, and we're going to a ranch, you know, three hours away where we got to stay the night, overnight, at a ranch, where, where we're having to figure out who's staying where. There's just practical things. Uh, one time we were on a retreat, and I think uh, Dr. Davis will remember this, and she starts sharing her heart on all of the things that we need to be doing, right? Now, if you're married, you know, if you're a man and you're, right, you know that when your wife starts sharing her heart, sometimes it doesn't mean she wants you to do anything. She just wants you to 
So we're at a leadership retreat. And Dr. Davis gets up and she just starts pouring out her heart on, we got to be doing this and we got to be doing this. And I'm panicking. I'm like, we got to get to work. We have so much work to do. How are we going to, and she's just going and going and going. And do you remember this? And, and me and, um, Brian Chambers and Dr. Brewer, and I think Dr. Cole may have been there. All the men in the room, we were panicking. We were just like, we have so much to do. We can't do all this. How, our minds immediately went to, how are we going to do this? Because men are fixers, right? So share a little bit about that. What, do you, what are your thoughts on how do we work together there? Yeah, I think some of that's temperament. Some, some of it's you know, even leadership temperament. You know, when, like in that particular moment, I'm, I'm saying, I think we need to be aware. Yes, we you were be, saying the word aware. <laughs> the word, like he doesn't know that word. I don't even know what that, like, we're going to do something. <laughs> we need to be aware of the temperature of things. We need to be aware of what the experience is like for those that we are leading. And as we are aware, we will make decisions, right? And so it was just a different way of I looking I still don't at know what that means. <laughs> I still have no idea. We just have to be aware. I'm like, okay, well, how do I be aware? Is that like a box that I check? <laughs> like, how do I know that I'm being aware? So I'm just saying, yes. there, there's some, there's some, here's what, here's what I've concluded. We're better together yeah. because she thinks about things that I'm not thinking about. And I may be considering and doing things and thinking about things that she may not be thinking about. We compliment. That's right. That's yeah. right. Because it's one thing to keep moving forward, you know, and making decisions and moving forward and progressing and taking it for the mission. And there's carnage, you know, just all over the place. Um, and then there's also some paralysis that come when we're only just sit, looking at how every, everyone is affected and we're not moving forward. So I, I wonder sometimes if there are some ways that we are uniquely designed by God that help us do both of those things at the same time. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things, too, that we, we haven't uh, said, but the ability to communicate clearly is the best possession you can have if you're a leader. Mm -hmm. So whether you're a man or a woman, if you're able to communicate, then you can cross some bridges together that you can't otherwise. So in communicating clearly, that means not taking things personal, not trying mm -hmm. to read between the lines, but also establishing this is the way I want to communicate. So I know that when I talk to Pastor Marcus, I'm not going to worry about him, um, like, wondering if I'm really saying what I mean. Yes. He, we have connection and relational equity that he trusts me. So if I say something to him and, and if I'm off, I trust him yes. that he will give me feedback. And so my concern is that oftentimes there's a little bit of a standoff because the man doesn't want to say something because he might offend the woman and the woman isn't going to say something because she might offend. But when reality, if we could scoot all that little stuff aside and then just talk about the issue at hand with clear communication, without um, drama and emotion, then we can move forward together. Yeah. And I think before we can get there, though, like you have to have a conversation about this is the way I want to communicate. This is the way I want to move forward together. Well, you get to know each other's hearts. Like, 
Dr. Davis and I have developed a relationship. And so when she says something, I know what she means by it because I know her heart. And there's, and there's a a vulnerability for her to share her heart. And she knows that I'm not going to be offended because we've developed that safe space. Marcus, you got anything you want to add to this about trust and how we work together or? Well, I mean, trust, they, they say trust is, is earned in drops and lost in buckets. The cliche goes, uh, but there is something about, about trust that is always a gift. There, there's, a, there's an element of it, a large part of it is earned, but there's always a measure of trust that is, that is a gift because the truth is you and I do not have any idea what is really rattling around in the mind and heart of another human being. And so if you can get context to, to prove faithfulness over time, then, then there's reason to give them the gift of trust. Yeah. And so I remember uh, Boyd and Mallory came to Gateway Church in 2003 and uh, just we needed, we needed help at the church and they raised their hands and, and solid professionals and always there early, did their job. And I mean, so we, we grew to learn these are some really high-capacity trustworthy people and so when Mallory came on staff uh, was it 10 2010 yeah Um, there was there was reason to trust her because there was an elongated relationship there and and so uh, it always it always helps to have a little bit more more context of what is a person really like over time and there's always you know you give grace for failure one of the things you said uh, a second ago, John was, you know, if if you give someone one shot at a pulpit and they sort of don't do that well, well, who can stand under the pressure of you're one and done? Yes. You got to perform, and then all of a sudden now your your ministry becomes a performance so that you might get another shot, and that's not really ministry. That's that's performance, that's and and that's by the way not the way God treats any of us. And so, uh, so let's, you know, slow, the slow build is a good idea, I think. Um, but once somebody's earned something, I'll tell you, the, the biggest thing that concerns me is ambition. Uh, not promoting a woman. It's promoting somebody who might be ambitious yes. and doing it for the wrong reason. Yes. And I've had far more conversations with men who were ambitious. And I had to say, we're, we're finished promoting you here wow. then then in fact i don't think i've ever had that conversation with a woman wow. but what that concerns me more about wow. about people wow. than it does about women i think the same goes for i think the same goes for um we we've often talked with pastors of local churches and they'll say things like we want to figure out how to do this better together and we want we want to develop female leaders but they've spent so much time fighting for the place at the table, fighting to get there, that once, once we bring them to the table, there's not a lot beyond that. It's like so all of their energy has gone toward making a place and finding a place or a, or a position in ministry that when they get there, they're not sure what to do. So I just want to echo what you're saying there, Marcus, that it doesn't matter who we are as leaders, but the development of our soul and the strength of our soul and the formation that's on the inside of us that we bring to leadership is really what's 
really so important. So maybe if we just didn't fight so hard or have to fight so hard to get to the table, there, there might be a little bit more there once we got there. Amen. Yeah, we want to hear Dr. Davis keep talking, Dr. Dr. Marcus. We'll just watch. There you go. Well, the other thing, I've had a lot of women over the, over the years come to me and say, like, what did you do? What did you do to get there? Like, how did you get there? Mm. And the, the fact of the matter is, like, I didn't ever do anything, but what I would say is never stop working on yourself. So for me, my goal is to stay like, I want to be really smart, so I'm going to read and do personal development and, and keep my spiritual life hot, right? I don't want to be, like, lukewarm, but I need to remain humble and remember whose I am. Like, I, I'm a child of God, and so when I'm working, I'm working as unto him. I'm not working as unto get to the table. And I think, that just like you said, we sometimes lose sight that um, just, just be a great leader, don't be a great female leader, be a great leader. And then once you become a great leader, the fact that you're female, like, yeah, that's a bonus, right? Because we're better together. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it, it, and I think for all of us, it really just comes down to us admitting, I had to go through this process of admitting that I may not know what I don't know. And just stepping outside of what I think or what I've seen or what I've experienced and, and really working alongside Dr. Davis and Ashley really taught me a lot because it, I really had to come to the realization is I didn't know what I didn't know. And I think both sides, when we come together, what re, what's required when we come together is both sides saying, you know what, there may be things I don't know. There may be some things I don't understand and understanding context and then we come together and work better. So I want to get some super practical um, examples. All right. So um, Mallory, Rhonda, give us an example of a challenge that you have faced as a female leader that maybe most male leaders wouldn't have thought of or considered or experienced. So um, if you're a female leader and you have men reporting to you, Sometimes that's a real challenge. Now, I want to say, I want to like sidebar that and say, we're all people, right? We're all hurt, lost, broken people. But sometimes if a female is the leader and a man is reporting to her and he has had issues with females in his life who have hurt him, who have betrayed him, he may not be able to relate to me in a way that's honoring. So what may happen is me being his leader may trigger him. And then if we don't have the clarity of communication to talk about that, it can escalate. So one of the challenges as a female is to make sure, like just like Pastor Marcus is my oversight, if I was in that situation, I would discuss it with Pastor Marcus, but I would know that he basically has my back Right, So he is empowering me to be the leader I need to be to help this person grow to another level of health. And I think sometimes we, we, we take it personal. So if I take things personal, then it, then it goes all wonky, right? Then the enemy has free reign in my head. But if I remember, like, I'm, I'm, just, I'm broken and I'm dealing with broken people, like we're all trying. So when I have someone that is reporting to me and it's not working, I need to keep emotion out of it, stay communicating, 
give coaching feedback, invite third party in to help with that, and not just instantly throw my hands in the air and say, you know, he's, um, you know, he's, he's worthless, he needs to be off the team, he needs to be transitioned out. Can I put you on the spot? <laughs> I'm curious what you've seen in, in males whom you oversaw and what sorts of meltdown issues did they have for those reasons? Oh, now we're getting good. Now it's going to get good. No, this is good. Like. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm thinking of a very big example. So when I'm giving that example, there is a, there's names to all of that. But it's because he had a very, very domineering, dysfunctional mother. And she was very hurtful. And he had tons of mother wounds. And so everything about him made him... Um, I'm just going to, you guys look at this, like he was all He-Man, right? He was the strong He-Man and he just bristled if I told him what I needed him to do, right? It, it was his job. Now, so that's one perspective, but I mean, I've, I've had a great deal of amazing men of God that have reported to me that um, I've been able to speak into their hearts, like mentor and coach them and, and help them find a new level of leadership. But I, I think that's the answer to your question. It's really good. Dr. Davis? Yeah, I think probably like anyone in leadership, one of the things that we just have to watch out for is a lot of assumption. A lot of assumption about what our leadership is going to look like, what we should sound like, um, what's going to come from us. Either way, males or females, right? But not addressing that, not being clear with expectations. Many times I... I have an outgoing personality. I have an outgoing personality. I love to be with people. I love to have fun. I think we should work hard and play hard. That's a big value of mine. So sometimes there's an assumption made of me that I'm like a bubbly, bubbly girl, you know, cheerleader type, <laughs> you know, and that, and even my co colleagues have been like, wow, I just was so surprised when I just heard things of such substance. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Okay, you know, so there's some assumptions that are made about personalities and then particular personalities that are associated with gender, I think. So just calling those out and like, let's, let's agree to not assume and let's just get to know one another. Yeah. So we're going to go to Q&A in just a second, but I have one more question for you guys. I'm going to put you on the spot. I want you to, to talk to all of us and what's one thing that you would say to male leaders if you had the opportunity to speak to male leaders about women in ministry or women in leadership, like what would you want to share to, to us male leaders? Don't tiptoe. Just, just talk. Just communicate clearly. If, you know, and, and I'm going to say this to Pastor Marcus, even though he knows this, like if you see something in me that needs to be corrected, correct me. That's good. Like correct me. Because you correcting me makes me trust you more. If you don't ever wow. correct me, then I think I'm doing okay. And I don't know that there's this little list or this irritant that's in, you know, like a, a rock in your shoe so that good. you just, you're just not talking to me about because you're fearful. Mm. So I think there's a way that you can correct, that you can coach and you give feedback. But if you'll have the courage mm. to give feedback to the females that work for you, they'll be so appreciative because 
we want to be better, right? As, as women of God, as, as children of God, we want to be the best we can. Wow. So if I trust that Pastor Marcus is going to give me feedback when I need to tweak or, or change or, you know, even say, I don't, I don't know that you realize how you came off. Wow. Um, then I trust him more because I know he's going to be honest with me. That's really good. Isn't that good? That's so good. Dr. Davis. I was going to say something very similar. And just like, let's, let's lay out the expectations. Like, let's just talk about it. Let's just have a normal conversation. I also recognize that the world that we live in, it takes one accusation from us to ruin um, the reputation and ministry of the men that we lead with. So I'm aware of that and vice versa. But let's just talk about it. We only build relationship by communicating, as we've said yeah. multiple times, and talking and being clear about expectations so that we can know when we win yeah. and we can know when we come up a little bit short. Which, which we've, we've done. We've had these moments where what's not fair sometimes is that when, when men lead together, we go to lunch together, we hang out together, and then all of a sudden, you know, I have cabinet members that are females and we're not going to lunch together. That's just something that, that we don't do. We don't want to be, we're both married. We're both happily married. And we don't want to be at a, at a restaurant and somebody's, did you see, did you see John today? He was with another woman that wasn't his wife. And so we have been intentional because it's not fair to the female counterparts that don't get to go to lunch and have the buddy, buddy talk. So we'll bring lunch in. And we'll eat in my office with the, with the door open or with the window open, and we'll be able to share those. So it just takes intentionality, takes setting the expectations. And I love what you said. Just, just go for it. Don't be slow. Just have conversations. So let's, uh, we're having to kind of keep a quick pace here so we can get on, on track. So if you have a question, we have a microphone. So just shoot your hand up. If you have any kind of question, just shoot your hand up real quick. And we would love to have your questions. Right here. Right down front, Daniel. Is it turned on? Yeah, there you go. Hey. Uh, so I come from a church. I'm on staff at a church uh, where we have multiple uh, female leaders. Our, our youth pastor is female. Our children's director is female. And our senior pastor is co-pastor, husband and wife. Uh, and so we direct report to our pastor's wife, and she's, she's our boss. Yep. Um, and so we're, we're all about empowering women in ministry, and I, and I love the relationship that we have. But we get a lot of backlash, uh, mostly from men, but sometimes from women, about the scripture in First Timothy where, where Paul said, I don't allow women to teach and to have authority yeah. over a man. And so I was going to ask, how do y'all answer that question? How do you, you yeah. know, people that legitimately have that concern, what do you say? Yeah, it's great. So when, when Paul wrote that letter to Timothy, Timothy was actually the pastor at the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a, a church of 100,000 people. I mean, we think we know mega churches. This was a mega church. And in Ephesus was the temple of Dionysius, and there were it was filled with temple prostitutes, both male and female. And so the, the, the city and the culture was filled with people who were disruptive. Hmm. If, you, if you walked by the temple, they would seduce you from a distance. And so what, what started happening is, is that, uh, which is a great thing, but people from the culture were getting born again and then something would happen in church and they would just yell. They would, they would cry out. They would say, hold on, wait a minute. That's not true. And so Paul was saying, um, we need some order here. This, this is disorderly. It's unhealthy for everybody. And so um, if, if you have a, a question, ask your husband when you get home. 
And so it, every text has a context. That's the context for that text. And so to take that as a blanket, women should be silent in the church, that's not at all what Paul intended there because that text had a context. So um, if, if you look at Priscilla and Aquila who taught Apollos, here's, here's a strong woman teaching the Bible to a man. Okay? You've got, you've got female leaders throughout the history of Israel and Christianity and, and you know, they, Deborah judged. She was, she was like the king, you know? And so if, if, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then his, his, his position on women in ministry leadership is also the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think Jesus was all about empowering uh, women in ministry. Paul's concern was it's out of hand in this context. Let's do something about that. So it's good. Um, so I have a question about how would you recommend managing well relationships when there are multiple dynamics involved? So for example, I am on staff at a church and then my friend is on staff at a church who is a male and we're friends, his wife, him, him and his wife and me and my husband. So our couples were friends, but we also are coworkers but we also, he's a volunteer under my ministry as well, in addition to his staff position. And so there are like multiple dynamics here. Plus we're like totally opposite ends of different things on like, let's say Enneagram, for instance. <laughs> so there's just a lot of dynamics at play yeah, and yeah. it tends to bring tension yeah. at times when decisions are being made, yeah. sometimes even like in staff meetings. And so just how to how to manage that well and care well for one another, especially when you have so much overlap of being together all the time. You know, sometimes as a woman, you're like, well, let's spend some time together. Let's talk this out. But like, maybe you're exhausted of being together, you mm. know? So how, how would you speak to, to managing well and caring well for those multiple dynamic type relationships? I'll go. I think one of the things we underestimate the most in leadership is just how much time um, things like that take. So most of the time, I will find that I am to the margins on work that has to be accomplished. And what goes by the wayside is the time for me to untangle relational dynamics or time for me to untangle things like, how do I do this? How do I keep my relationships intact? How can we be friends and work together? But it's always going to be there. That's a terrible answer. But leadership is, all, or is managing tension in so many different ways, especially when you're working with volunteer volunteers in the church or people that you're doing life together as church, I hope. I hope you don't just come and it's your job and everybody just leaves, right? So I would say that one of the ways that I have managed this, and Mallory will have several tips I know, is I have to spend some time that maybe that he wouldn't have to spend because the onus is on me as the leader to spend some time thinking about how we're going to relate. How am I going to set this up? What kind of language am I going to use 
that's going to shape the narrative of what our relationship looks like with the church and with each other. And what are those boundaries? What are things we're just not going to talk about as friends that we're going to talk about when we come together to make decisions at church? How can we, how can we salvage both of these relationships? No, I was, I was just going to say, I, I agree that it's a tension to be managed, not solved. And I think that anything in the church that's, that's worthy of doing is always messy. I think if, if you have a church that operates in the gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit, uh, that's messy. You know, and so there's probably a lot of churches that just don't want to go down that path because it just gets messy when you start having the operating of the gifts in your church. Like it brings out all the crazy people for some reason. Right. But it's messy. But there's a reason we're supposed to lean into these things because they're hard. Um, there's a I, I should know it because I'm a pastor and I can't think of the exact verse, but it's in Psalm and I'm paraphrasing. And it talks about the mess that the ox brings to the barn. But without the ox, there is no harvest. So it's like, which one do you want? Do you want the harvest? you got to have an ox to pull the plow to create the harvest. But because you have an ox, you've got a mess to clean up in the barn. It's like a tension to be managed. It's something that we have to manage. So I think you're right. It's just something that we have to work at. Mallory, go ahead. I think from a real practical perspective, there's a, there's a, like a knowledge of in this moment, this is my boss and when I'm with people, this is Pastor Marcus. Now, if I'm at dinner with he and his wife and my husband, I don't say Pastor Marcus. He's, he's Marcus, right? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll joke and we'll laugh and, and that kind of thing. But when I'm at work, this is Pastor Marcus. And it, it's sort of the same thing, like what hat are you wearing in the moment? Mm. And so whatever hat you're wearing, you keep that hat on. But when you're not wearing that hat, you can set it aside and, you know, pull out your play hat, right? Pull out the kazoo, and then you're going to have fun. Um, and I think that's probably the, it's, it's knowing the time and the place, because if I was at dinner with uh, Pastor Marcus and Lexa, well, I'm not the whole evening going to, you know, talk about scripture and Jesus and, you know, hierarchy and structure and you know, ask him what he thinks every minute and not say anything. I'm just going to be me. Well, I'm going to be me even when he's my pastor, but it's just time and place. Does that help? That's good. Hi. So my question is, um, first of all, as women, how do we develop ourselves in leadership when we don't have a lot of money? I mean, I'm working on good stewardship right now, so I want to make sure I develop myself as a good leader, but I can't necessarily go to the King's University because I don't have the money for that. So, um, and then also being single, I, you know, not having a husband, you know, you can't rely on, well, you go to school and I'll work kind of right. a thing. And so I feel as a single woman, sometimes it's difficult to develop my leadership without having a lot of money to invest. It's a great question. So thanks for asking that. That's beautiful. Um, I feel like in this world, there's so many books you can read. So um, you can actually pretend like you're going to school and read books. You know what I'm saying? Like, I did finish and got, got my master's, but during the master's course, several of the books that we had to read for the classes, like, I already read them because I'm hungry to yeah, learn. Yeah. I'm hungry for leadership. I mean, like, there's, there's some podcasts I can give you to listen to. These two are 
top of the mark. But, you know, listen to podcasts, listen, watch YouTube, read everything you can read, find a leader that you respect and ask and take them to lunch. Like find, yes. take, take somebody to lunch every month that you respect that's ahead of you in leadership and then ask them questions like, what are they reading? What are they doing? People that you admire and you respect, what are they reading? What's the, what blogs are they reading? That kind of thing. That's so, great. yeah. And also props to you. Props to you for saying yes as a, as a single woman, yes to God's call on your life. And if you continue to approach leaders that are just ahead of you with that same kind of humility, God will bring that learning to you. So well yeah. done. And well don't done. sell yourself short. You're here. Yeah. Like you came to this session. You could have went to any session. So you're doing this. So it's just continuing that, that effort. Daniel? Hi. Um, so my question to you is as a minister at our church we have a senior pastor how do we get those reps in how do we develop our speaking technique our delivery our ministry opportunity how do we get those reps in? is there a resource where um young female leaders can go to to prepare to speak better to and how do we get those reps in in church in front of an audience that's good they you can you can okay first <laughs> So let me speak. I, I want her to speak. That's why I looked to her because she's a female and I shouldn't be the one to answer this. But I do want to say real quick, when I first became a lead pastor, uh, I won't bore you with the story, but whenever I was first called to ministry, I was so unprepared. All of my degrees, all of my experience was in higher education. And then God kind of dragged me kicking and screaming into the ministry. I didn't want to go into the ministry. And then all of a sudden I'm put on platforms to begin speaking before I felt like I was ready. Um, and so I started, I needed reps. What makes us better preachers and speakers is really just reps. And so I would start, I started getting in the auditorium. I'd go in the church at five in the morning to an empty room and put my notes on my podium and put my phone up and record myself. And I would preach to an empty room. So all I want to say is you can get reps without someone giving you reps. Nobody was giving me reps. I had to make reps for myself. And then I would watch myself. If you ever want to be humbled, watch yourself preach. <laughs> Listen to you. Does my voice really sound like that? I sound like an idiot. So you, you, you can get reps even when nobody's giving you reps. You can sharpen your pencil even when nobody's watching. So That's right. I've done many of those in my closet with my ironing board as a pulpit. But also I would say ask. Um, yes. Sometimes I think we're just afraid to ask. Like, like no one knows that we're a learning leader. You know? You're, you are a learning leader. So I think going and saying... I just want to try this out. Or could I send you this recording of myself preaching in the closet and you give me a few pointers, <laughs> yeah. right? We've had moments where I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm up this weekend and I need, I need to run something by you. What, are you think, what do you think about this? And so just ask, I think. Another thing is going with an intentional ask. You know, I want to increase my ability to in public communication. So I, I would like to get some more reps on that. Or I would like to improve my written communication. Or I want to improve the way I run meetings. A specific ask is always so much easier to meet than I just want to become better. Well, what yeah. is, you know, what is that? Or someone saying, I want to preach this Sunday. Like, yeah, okay. It's, it's us coming and saying... Hey, I wrote this sermon. Would you mind going over it with me and give me some pointers? I would love your mentorship. So there's ways that you can get there, I think. Uh, anybody else have anything Great to add there? Okay. You got time for maybe one or two more. 
I was just wondering, I've been to a couple of the round tables and at the round tables we talked about how uh, we, we oversight people from a spiritual, relational and professional standpoint, right? So what happens, right? I literally, I'm in my 50s. I have someone that's over me, that's younger than me, that's a female. Whenever I have a moment, uh, she's a great leader, but whenever I have a moment where I don't feel like I can go to her spiritually, not because she's not mature spiritually, but there are certain things as a man right. that I don't want to share with, with another woman, especially with my wife here. Uh, so how do, I, how do I honor that leadership? How do we honor leadership? How would you, how would you inform us to honor you but still be able to say, you know what, I need, I need a man's viewpoint on this. I think that's a really fair question. And I think the way I would answer that is, if you reported to me, I would be asking about how you are, how you are, how your wife is. But then I would want you to say, you know, there's some things going on that I wonder if you can give me some direction about uh, a man I can talk to about some things. Like, honestly, that's happened. I had a gentleman that worked for me, and he said, there's, there's some challenges I'm facing, and I really feel like I need to talk to somebody. So I'm like, great, you know what? Let me, let me hook you up with someone. And so I found another man on, on staff, like a, a man who was seasoned, prayer warrior, loved God, and had experience, and I connected them. I don't need to know everything. I just want to help you, right? The, your oversight, you don't have to tell them everything. And, you know, depending upon how, how the relationship is, and if it's new relationship, you know, you're going you're gonna, to um, only carry the weight of your issues as, um, you're only going to carry that as much as the weight of your relationship is. So the, the gentlemen that have reported to me that have had issues, we've had great relational equity, but I, there's still, there's a line that I'm not going to talk to you about and you're not going to talk to me about, but I will ask, How's everything with Marianne? Are you guys good? And then if you were like, hmm, and then I'll, do you, do, you, do you need to talk to someone? Yes, okay. So there's just a way to handle it that still remains um, very, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm going to guard what you say and I'm going to pray for you. I don't need to know the details. That's good. And I think that takes security on both sides. You know, security on behalf of the female leader. Like we just don't need to know everything. You know, and it's okay. And security on behalf of, of, the, of you saying, I've got this, and I, I do honor your leadership, but I'm secure enough to say, I need to talk to somebody. So that just speaks to a level of maturity on both sides, I would say. And I feel like that even goes both ways. If a female reports to me, there may be things that the female doesn't want to talk to me about. So I think it's, that's perfect. So uh, let's pray. Let's, let's go out and pray. If you stand to your feet, I just want to pray over you. Did I miss anything? Am I good? All right. Father, I just pray for every person in this room, Lord, as we leave this tent and go back into ministry, Father, as we try to do the messy business of ministry, God, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us understanding? Would you give us favor? God, I pray for over every pastor, every staff member here that's processing what we've talked about today. God, give them wisdom to know what to say to their boss, to know what to say to their pastor. God, give pastors wisdom and understanding to know how to navigate this mind-filled waters. God, we thank you for what they're doing. God, bless their ministry. 
Bless them in everything they do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, have a great day, guys. Thanks for coming.